welcome to Facing Cancer Together, a podcast of the cancer support community, Greater Philadelphia, with your hosts, CEO Kelly Harris and Rodney Warner. Hello, folks. Thanks for joining us for Facing Cancer Together. I'm Rodney Warner. And I'm Kelly Harris. And uh, we're at the cancer support community, Greater Philadelphia this really amazing place outside Philadelphia, but there's another location in Philadelphia. There is, Rodney. We have two main locations, the one here in Warminster, and our second main location is in Fairmount Park in Philadelphia. Right. And And in addition to that, we have uh, five other locations across the Philadelphia area located in hospitals. They're two beautiful old buildings. They are. But, of course, you need to keep up two old buildings. We do. (laughs) But they've got a lot of charm. They do. Um, And, you know, that's actually part of our organizational focus. We want to make sure that when people come here who are either caregivers or people who are currently living with cancer, we want to make sure that they're comfortable. So we try and design our buildings so that when you walk into them, you really feel like you're in someone's house. Yes, definitely. It's a very warm environment. And, And the furniture is definitely nicer than what we have at home. That's right, so, me too. So, you know, I've been a member since 2004, and I, I guess I got here pretty early because the organization really didn't start, well, at least Gilda's Club anyways. Correct. So so why don't we do a little history? Yeah. So how, how did this all start? Cancer Support Community Greater Philadelphia is a merged organization that originally started as Gilda's Club Delaware Valley, and what was many years ago, the wellness community in Fairmount Park. In 2009, the two national organizations, Wellness Community and Gilda's Club Worldwide, merged on a national level. So then all of the Gilda's Clubs and all the wellness communities were under one umbrella organization, which subsequently changed its name to Cancer Support Community. Locally, we really were feeling the effects of having to pretty much compete against another local affiliate, which was Cancer Support Community Philadelphia. So our boards got together back in 2013 and decided that it makes sense for us to merge and just offer services at two locations. So that's how we became Cancer Support Community Greater Philadelphia because we're both in the suburbs and in the city. And how, how big is the staff? How many how many people do you have serving the uh, the members? Between full and part-time staff, we have 15 people. Uh, In addition to that, we have a number of facilitators that facilitate mind-body programs. We have group facilitators. We have a ton of volunteers that come in from doctors to nurses to nutritionists that volunteer their time to speak to everybody about latest trends in cancer, just to come in and even answer questions that people may have. We really kind of utilize both people in the community and our staff to provide as much as we can. And who are the people the organization helps? We serve anybody with any kind of cancer, their family members, their friends, anybody that they really identify in their support network. What we see sometimes, and and this is fairly common across the country, is that somebody may live in Philadelphia, their mom or dad may live in Texas, and they have cancer, so they might come here for support as a family member. Their family is nowhere in the Philadelphia area. Right. So that's kind of the, the great thing about what we provide is you don't have to be where your either support person is or the person you're supporting is. Right. 
So as long as the person needs help, I mean, there's exactly. there's, there's an open door. You really exactly. Don't. And in fact, I mean, I mean, the family member could be in India. Oh, sure. Or yeah. Russia or wherever. Absolutely. Doesn't, and, doesn't and really f- matter. Yeah. And, you know, in fact, because Gilda Radner is in our history, uh, for many years we had to kind of really uh, work very hard to make sure people understood we weren't just for women with ovarian cancer. When we last checked, uh, I think somewhere around 69 different types of cancer is represented among the people that come here, which if you think about it, is pretty vast. I mean, if I said, let's talk about 69 different types of cancer, I don't think I could even come up with that. What does the organization do for these people? Let me start out by saying that everything we provide is absolutely free of charge. And that's intentional. You know, we want to make sure that the person with cancer, their family, their support group doesn't have any barriers to getting the support that they need. And we want to make sure that whether you have all the money you need or none at all, you have access to the same service. Our, our program really consists of several parts. We have a support part of our program where we do individual counseling. We have support groups. And our support groups are geared both to cancer patients and to family members. We also have bereavement support groups. We have groups that are for people with specific cancers. So, for example, uh, I facilitated the the lung cancer. The blood cancer group that you were in. Yeah, that's one thing I didn't have. I know, right? God forbid. Just about everything else. I know, right? Um, And so we have general groups. We have cancer or diagnosis-specific groups. We We have education. So we have lectures from doctors, nurses, experts in their field from around the area that come in and will offer to host a lecture, answer questions, provide information. And then uh, we have mind-body programs, which are very popular. So we have yoga, tai chi, qigong, meditation, things that really help people manage their stress on a day-to-day level. We have social events. You know, and you and I both know this, Rodney, sometimes you just don't want to think about your cancer. Sometimes you just want to do something different. You want to get out. You maybe want to watch a movie. Maybe you want to have a game night. Maybe you want to have a potluck dinner. And so we provide all of that. And then in addition to that, we know that particularly for kids and teens, a cancer diagnosis in the family can be very difficult. So we have a very extensive program for children and teens, both with cancer or who have a family member with cancer. We have a summer camp for kids. We have great activities for kids. We go out into local schools and provide training to school social workers and teachers. And also we have groups during the school day so that kids can participate and have not have it impact their crazy busy social lives. And we don't want to add something else to the parents. If the parent has cancer, you know, we don't want to add the need for them to drive their kids here. um, If that's a hardship. I started attending groups here in in late 2004, the blood cancer group, because I'm a, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was uh, treated in Connecticut and Massachusetts, and there was really nothing, there was like nothing like this. Right. I, I think the, I, 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 there was an organization in Boston, but I was just kind of coming and going from Boston. Right. So that, that's what really attracted me to this place, because yeah. it was, it was, you know, as far as support, it was almost like one shop stop and one stop shopping. Right. Because well, it was yeah. it was all pretty much here. And, you know, when you're a cancer patient, you're so isolated. Absolutely. You, you know, you're really living in this alternate universe. Absolutely. You know, this this parallel universe out there is just so different. 
And, it is. And, and once you come here, you understand that there are so many others in their own alternate universes, and we all kind of get together and we realize we're, we're just not the only ones dealing with this. And it's, it's a really great way to learn from each other. It's like, oh, you know, you had this issue. Oh, yeah, I had that. So how did that work out? Or Exactly. You know, and, well, you and, know, it, was, yeah. and it was great because not only that, like you said, you know, especially, especially with Jay, who was, who was a member of, of the group originally mm-hmm. when I got here, and he subsequently passed away. But I just remember laughing so much. Right. <laughs> that was one of like the best parts of these groups that, you know, as, as awful as cancer is and treatment is, you know, you could you could laugh at it and, and we could laugh at each other and we could laugh with each other. And it was just it was just such a such an awesome environment. Well, and you have to. Right. Because there's so much that's depressing and disheartening for so many people about cancer. If you can find a little bit of humor it really does help. Right. And, you know, you know, you and you and I have that shared experience of being blood cancer survivors. There, there's a certain there's a certain thing that happens when you have the opportunity to speak to other cancer survivors. Just like you said, you know, if we talk about, you know, funny experiences with somebody drawing your blood and, uh, you know, only you as another cancer survivor will understand that in the same way right. that I do. You, you know, know, you could always laugh about hospital food. I mean, that's... Oh, exactly, right? There's there are a lot of great material there. And, and, you know, the other thing that so many people say, and I think you and I have spoken about this before, is that sometimes, I think particularly as you move through your cancer, and it's been going on for some time, as it does for so many people, where they have really long periods of treatment and moving into survivorship, sometimes what happens is people feel that they don't kind of want to quote-unquote burden their family anymore with talking about it, right? They feel a certain level of guilt because, you know, their husband, wife, spouse has been by their side. Their kids have had to adjust their daily schedules. And so people, I think, get to a point where they think, you know, I just need to talk to somebody who's been through it. I don't necessarily want to talk to my family. And, you know, people have actually said to me, you know, I started, as it got toward the end, I started to talk to my husband and I saw his eyes glaze over, you know, because they've, it, being a, a caregiver is hard. So, you know, the person with cancers really in the position where they, they just benefit so much from talking to other people who have been through it. Cause you don't feel that way when you're talking to another survivor. Personally, it's, it's almost like, you know, I think I've given my wife like a lifetime's worth of bad news already. Oh, right. So do I really want to give her more bad news? Exactly. I, I think I think I've like fulfilled my quota for my lifetime. So so that's 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 something that's something that's that's kind of hard to to deal with. And it's you know, and as much as you get, you know, when you when you're part of these groups, it just really makes you feel good if you can say something or do something for somebody else who's there. Yeah. And and, and try to pick them up. Because oh yeah, it giving really, back is a huge thing. And it, it just really it's it's so it's so powerful because when you're going through cancer, you feel so powerless that you're you have lost control. Of, of, your, of your basic bodily functions. I mean, you, you may have lost your job 
um, you may be running out of money, but you do have that power to help other people, even if it's even if it's just some words. And that's and that's a, a tremendously, tremendously awesome feeling when you're in such kind of bad situation. Well, you know, it's a life altering experience. And you're exactly right. If there's one way you can turn something good into something that's so incredibly life altering, the fact that what you say or do can make a difference to one person means the world to that person. Right. Means the world to their family. And, you know, sometimes I think we don't always give credit to those little exchanges that people have here where they feel accepted. They they don't have to feel awkward because they don't have hair or their hair is growing back because there are people here that get it. They don't look at them differently. They don't make them feel uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes people come here and, and we've had people do this where they'll come in with a scarf or a wig and they'll say, you know, I just really want to take this off. And they can do it here without feeling weird about it because everybody else gets it. You know, that would be an interesting survey, you know, of, of members. Have, have you ever been bald? Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a pretty high percentage. So. Oh, I think so. Which, which as a guy, because I'm bald, it's right. really not a big deal. But Well, but, maybe but, you should continue but, saying it's because you're a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll try to get sympathy from people. But, you know, and another thing, you know, in another role, in another life, when I was working as an attorney and I was working for the legal clinic for the disabled in Philadelphia, I also had the pleasure of doing presentations here. That's right. And, and talking about, you know, employment law and insurance and social security disability and um, estate planning. And, and those are also some, some really incredibly valuable presentations because, you know, especially issues like, like legal issues, people just, they just don't know. And, oh, yeah. and, and the unknown is really scary. And even if even if you learn that maybe the law or you know paying your bills or whatever isn't what you wish it was, at least you know, and, and you can and you can move on and you could adapt and you can plan, and that's and that's that was another great thing about my volunteer time here is with the legal clinic for the disabled is really educating people. And oh, hundred percent. Well, you know the thing is too, uh, you know, with our healthcare system. Doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs have a certain amount of time that they can spend with every patient, right? right? So, you know, if you have a question about legal issues, if you have a question about how am I going to make my co-pays, are there organizations out there that provide financial support? That is exactly the type of thing that we do. I mean, we, we have people like you and who are able to answer those questions. You know, a, a hospital social worker is typically overwhelmed and overworked. It's just the way the system is. And they don't always have time to say, hey, I'm going to walk you through how to process a disability claim. But here you can come in and that's exactly what we can do. People say, you know, I need help with co-pays for my medications. I, I can't afford my medications. That's something that all the staff here who are all trained mental health professionals can help people do. They can help walk them through those other parts that are so difficult about cancer. You know, in, in some ways, I think that 
not that treatment's ever easy, but you know, it's, it's very prescriptive, right? So you know that when you go to the hospital, you're going to get X chemo, X radiation, but those other things that surround your day-to-day life, like how am I going to get groceries? How am I going to make these copays? How am I going to get whatever for my kids, a Christmas present, or how am I going to get my kids into college? All those things uh, that are parts of everybody's daily life become harder yeah. because you're sick. So let's talk a little bit about uh, about caregivers. Okay. And and how does the organization help caregivers? What what's what can a caregiver get? You know, what's the takeaway? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we're well aware that for caregivers, cancer is often as difficult as it is for the patient. It's differently hard. But we make sure that we have ongoing educational programs for caregivers. We have support groups for caregivers, for friends and family. And if, unfortunately, you know, people don't always do well with their cancer experience. So we have bereavement services that help people who lose a family member or friend to cancer. We make sure that we recognize and and provide program activities for people who are not the patient. One of the things that that you discussed was all of... The services here are free. They are. So, I mean, obviously, you have bills to pay. We sure do. And we've got two beautiful buildings. That's right, who have so, very big maintenance needs. So, so how does that work? Well, you know, we're fully self-funded. We, we don't have any billable services. You know, what we offer is not covered by any kind of insurance, although that would be great. We have to raise all the money ourselves. Right now... Uh, looking at 2020, we're looking at uh, about a $1.1 million budget. A huge percentage of that goes directly back to families. In fact, about 85 cents of every dollar we raise goes back to people in our local community to help them through our program. So, you know, we have a number of fundraisers. We write grants constantly. We rely on individual donations. And we make great use of donations, volunteers, um, you know, if somebody gives us a roll of paper towel, it's one less roll we have to buy. And we're really good stewards of donations. So we really do manage to keep moving ahead and providing services for people free of charge. And the members and the families aren't asked for any money. No, they are not. They are not. You know, if they uh, make the choice to give us a donation, we may go back to them on an annual basis and say, hey, you know, you've supported us in the past. Uh, would you consider supporting us again? But we don't really want people to have that burden. It really is up to them if they choose to support us, but they don't get any less of a service if they don't. You've been here since the beginning of the organization. You know, what would you say are the are the big myths that that people may have about the organization and, and what goes on here and what's what's the actual reality? I think that people You know, people tell me all the time that they're afraid to walk through the front door because they don't want to admit that they're struggling. So, you know, I think sometimes people put on a brave face and, in fact, really are relieved when they can say, no, you know what, I'm not feeling that great. Like, I'm not a fighter. Like, I sometimes it just really stinks to have cancer. And sometimes I do get depressed. So I think that that's something that people tell us they struggle with. And so, you know, for us, we really try and help people be okay with that. You know, it's a, it's a, a way to be okay in that place. I think the other thing is, you know, I think sometimes for men, they feel that getting support 
is a sign of weakness. And yet, you know, it's interesting when we get a group of men together, men are very willing to talk to each other and support each other. You know, it's not that it's not a guy thing. I think that sometimes uh, men don't want to feel vulnerable or are afraid to say that they feel vulnerable. And I think the other thing that's a myth is that, you know, we deal with a lot of parents of kids either with cancer or if one of the parents has cancer. And, And oftentimes parents will say to us, you know, they don't really know what's going on. You know, we haven't told them. And, and what we know with 100% certainty is that kids know. You know, kids kids are very perceptive. They know when there's something different going on in the house. They may not know exactly what it is, but if you keep it from them, I think it causes far more stress. You know, we've seen that that play out. You know, when we when we do groups with kids and teens, they tell us. You know, my parents didn't tell us. And we knew something was wrong. You know, kids, kids have even told us that on some level, and this is a developmental thing, they think it's their fault that their parents get cancer. And so we really work to dispel those myths and support parents in helping their kids through this experience. And you know what? We want to help the parents. They have a lot on their plate if somebody uh, in the family has cancer. So that's really our goal, always. You know, my daughter was very young when I went through cancer treatment. So she didn't really understand what was going on. But, I mean, I, I could see, you know, being a parent as, as she grew up, I, I could see almost kids almost feeling anger oh, at sure. their parents. It's like, well, why why can't we go on vacation like, like my friends are going on vacation? Or, or it maybe reached the point where why can't I go to college? Why can't we afford to go to college? It's your fault that I'm not going to college. Right. I mean... Because cause that, that can be how, how kids think. You know, they just don't understand. And it's not fair, right? So it's right. not fair for kids to have to deal with it. And parents know it's not fair. And, you know, on some level, we try and help kids express that. Like, it's okay to feel it's not fair because it's not fair. And all we can do is to support you through that and have you meet other kids that also have that shared experience. Because then when you don't feel so alone, maybe it makes the part about it not feeling so fair, um, so unfair, um, a little easier to deal with. There's one blood cancer meeting that I know I'll never forget. I don't know if you remember it, Mm. but I remember there was someone, it was someone new and it's her, her family like dropped her off. And it's like, she was in denial that she even had cancer. Oh, I do remember that very well. And it was, I mean, I hope we we helped her in some way. I mean, I remember she was like saying, you know, I remember she literally said, I'm too busy to have cancer. She did. She did. And it was, you know, and she talked about, you know, those of us with blood cancers know that, that high fevers are, oh gosh, are, yeah. are kind of part of the deal. And I remember her saying that she would have fevers. The only, It's like, I think she said the only place she could sleep that was cool enough was on the floor of her dining room. That's right. I do remember that. And it's and and it's really people like that you'd really love to help because they're in such a bad place, but they're in such a bad place that they're probably reluctant to get help. Yeah. Exactly right. And you know, everybody's ability to deal with that kind of stress is very different. You know, what you and I can deal with is going to be different than somebody else and even from each other. You know, your ability to tolerate stress is going to be different than mine. I mean, we see differences between men and women, children and adults. And so 
Yeah, I mean, we see that all the time, that even just people's ability to express something can sometimes kind of release that pressure valve, which is huge. All right, so we've, we've talked about the past and present. Let's talk about the future. Yeah, okay. So, and one of the cool things is a, a stone's throw away from here is in addition to Noogie Land. Yeah, right. So, so what's going on with that? So, through the, the generosity of a donor, we've been able to put an addition on our children and teen building, Noogie Land, and we're going to be able to use that for large lectures for when the kids get together in camp and you know we typically we kind of cram them into the old building and now they have space if it rains you know they can be inside we can have and actually the other thing we're planning to do is to rent that building out on uh, specific uh, days for either corporate retreats or meetings or small family gatherings birthday parties and that's something we want to offer to the community as a place where they can uh, come and utilize our, our kitchen and use the big space. And that was, that certainly helps us uh, financially as well. So, so people who are listening, who maybe have never been here, uh, Noogie land, which is where the, the kids and teens programs are is, is it's my understanding was a three car garage. It was. Yeah. So, so that's, so if people can imagine what a three car garage size would be, and then it became a, a bathroom and office and essentially one big meeting room. Right. And we now, just ran out of space. I mean, that's really how it was. And now on the back of that building is a brand new space, which, as I understand, you said, what, about 1,000 square feet? About 1,000 square feet, which is huge for us. And it's, and it's, it's great because it's not like, like a 1,000 square foot house broken up into different rooms. Right, one it's, big room. It's one big room. Which, totally multi-purpose. So we have our exercise classes in there during the day, and when the kids aren't using it, the adults are in there. So it's really it's a great gift to our community. You know, as far as the future is concerned, that that includes podcasts. Yeah, and and this is something new and fun. It is well, and a great way to help spread the word about what we do and what we're offering. You know, we we provide over typically over three hundred activities a month at our combined locations. The goal of the podcast is the same as the organization. I mean, we want to spread useful, helpful, absolutely information. Yeah. We really want to make this a forum for sharing updates on new screening opportunities, ways people should be tested, getting out there about treatment options, clinical trials. There's so many different things out there that we can share a little bit of information on and give people resources to follow up on. You know, and just talk about ways that, that people can cope. Oh, absolutely. People can, can cope better. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you could subscribe to the podcast, we hope, and... Um, we just greatly appreciate your time and stay tuned because there's going to be many, many episodes coming. Thanks, Rodney. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for listening to Facing Cancer Together. Please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss the next episode. If you want to learn more about the organization, our website is cancersupportcommunity.org. 